Hey everybody, Francesca here reminding you that I will be in Sacramento at the Sack Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with none other than Matt Lieb. That's right, we are co-headlining. It'll be super fun. It is St. Patrick's Day, so I guess we're all drinking, maybe? Anyway, get your tickets. There should be a link in this description, and I hope to see you there. I was just thinking about that. We have no idea who won that thing. I, I want to meet one person who won the Vax lottery. I'm going to make a sketch about it because I, we, I don't know. There's no story that's come out. I would yeah. like to meet one person whose life has been transformed yeah. by the it, well, Vax lottery. It, 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 it's, it, it's similar to the People's Choice Awards. Have you ever met anyone who voted for the People's Choice Awards? <laughs> right. Who are these people? Exist? How you feeling? How you doing? How's it hanging? How's it smelling? Welcome to the Bituation Room podcast live stream. I am still Francesca Fiorentini, and I'm still here on a Tuesday, just going up on a Tuesday. Here we are, because this 30-year-old needed to party on Halloween, so you're welcome. I hope you had a good Halloween So good to have you here on YouTube and Twitch and in the podcast ethers, wherever those may be, in your ear holes, just winding its way until it's like, write me a five-star review. Do it now. You know, that's how it goes with the podcasting. Uh, We have such a good show for you today. Um, Guess what? It isn't Adam and Eve, and it is Adam and Steve. That's right. Adam Johnson of Citation Seated Podcast and Steve Hernandez, comedian and good friend in Los Angeles, are here. We're going to get into all the things, uh, namely uh, insurrectionists learning about prison for the first time. Very exciting. Maybe they're going to join the abolitionist movement. Um, We've got the Build Back Better plan. We're breaking that down for you because, again, that's been released. And it looks like, well, there's still some holdouts. I wonder who those people are. So I want to know what you guys make of this plan, and I'm going to get Adam and Steve's uh, thoughts on all that. Also, it's election day today. There's big elections across the country, specifically in New York and Virginia. Um, You've got a basically Trumpian Republican running against a centrist Democrat in uh, in Virginia, and we'll see who becomes the next governor. Um, And yeah. I don't, it's supposed to be a referendum on something, whoever wins. And then we're supposed to talk about it and it's supposed to mean a lot. So stay tuned. (laughs) Also, um, we have a bonus episode coming out of this, a bonus bish like we do every single uh, episode, every single week here. You get an extra 10 minutes when you join our Patreon, patreon.com slash bituation room, become a patron and you get an extra story, and today's story is so good because not only is it a big night electorally, but it's a big night in the QAnon sphere, uh, just like on Telegraph or Telegram, whatever the thing that, that that's called. Anyway, uh, maybe I did shrooms on Halloween. You don't, you can't. Prove anything. Um, but we're going to talk all about the return of JFK Jr. That's right. 
He's coming back, guys. And, and you know what? He's not going to be hot this time, and you're going to have to deal with it. But that's what QAnon believers believe. <laughs> and we got some good video from that. So that's all in the bonus episode, which is directly following uh, this amazing hour that we got for you right now, uh, which is also concluding with a very fun game of supply chain and what we can all blame on the supply chain. The supply chain ate my homework, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you do want to give to the show, but you're like wary about Patreon, first of all, don't be because it's like very friendly and it's very fun. And you get 20% off of all Bituation Room merch, which again, you can get at BituationRoom.com. That's where you go for that merch. And as a reminder to everybody, I'm raffling off just, I don't know what yet. It's not going to be a lock of my hair. It'll be, it'll, okay, fine. I'll get, I'll put some hair from my drain in the gift basket for y'all, but no, <laughs> but if you, uh, take a photo of yourself wearing a piece of Bituation Room merch and hashtag Frantifa swag. And at the end of the month, we're going to raffle a name and then give you something really, really lovely for the end of the year or just you and your home. And I'm like deciding exactly what that's going to be, but it'll be fun and full of love and don't you worry about it. So yes. Tweet us, post a picture of yourself, hashtag Frantifa swag with you in your merch in one of your two shirts. Um, lastly, before we get into this, you guys, I have a new show on the TYT Twitch network. I don't know if you've checked it out yet. It is called, <clears throat> strangely, The Twitchuation Room. Yes, that's right. Every Wednesday, 1 to 3 Pacific, 4 to 6 Eastern? Five to seven central, something to something mountain. Uh, I am live on TYT's network, so go there, twitch.tv slash TYT uh, every single week, and we have so much fun. Tomorrow, I really want to talk about uh, the new Hulu series, Dope Sick, because it's good. In fact, it's actually awful, and it makes me want to go back to watching Squid Game, because I'm like, Squid Game was forgiving. Anyway, um, let's get into this, you guys, uh, like we do every single week. Let's start this show off with our segment, What Are You Bitching About? So, like I said, I uh, went out dancing, dancing. I think that's what the kids, I don't actually know what the kids call it. Uh, I went dancing with children. And, uh, no, I mean, they were probably all 18. The point is this. I had fun, and it was uh, <laughs> it was Halloween. It was great. Uh, I saw Ketronada. I love Ketronada. He's an awesome DJ. And um, danced for, like, six hours. Uh, maybe had, like, a little bit of shroomies, but, like, they weren't really hitting. Um, they hit, like, in the parking lot while I was, like, having, like, a, a fucking panic attack of getting out of the parking lot which is great. You know, that's how you know you're old. Yeah, yeah, shrooms. They just make me panic. Anyway, the point is, is that uh, the venue was um, very open about they were going to check vax cards. They were going to check vax cards. You must be vaccinated. And did they check vax cards? No, they did not. I had it all fucking ready. I was going to go straight Karen on their ass, except obviously there needs to be like another word, like who's a Karen, but who like is like a liberal snitch. You know what I mean? It's like all the same, but Karens are two anti-maskers. Um, 
And I was so mad. I was just so mad. And so I wore a mask the entire time and sweated through the entire thing and was just like mask knee the next day and fucking like, I wasn't about to take it off. Like all these kids, like who knows what I'm going to get in addition to COVID. I don't even know if some qualify for the vaccine yet. Like seriously. So I'm pissed because what is the point of being vaccinated? What is the point of having an incredible rollout? What is the point of browbeating everyone into getting vaccinated if you're not going to motherfucking check their cards? I'm not arguing like China level restrictions. The other day, I think Disneyland Shanghai was shut down for like 35,000 people because there was one case of COVID. Obviously, that's bad. But check my goddamn vax card. Keep us safe. What are we doing, people? And I, I just, I don't want to be that woman that writes the review. They didn't say anything, but I really want to be that woman, you know? Anyway, that is what I am bitching about. But there's more bitching to be had because joining me for the full hour uh, are two wonderful guests. Let's bring both of them in. He is a comedian whose monthly stand-up show, Hernia, is tomorrow night. That is November 3rd, Wednesday. Uh, if you're listening in the future, it's another day in the future. Um, tomorrow night at nine o'clock at the yard in Los Angeles. You can also catch his podcast, read the Bible with me on all your listening devices. Please welcome Steve Hernandez. Great to be here. Thank you so much, Francesca. Steve, good to have you before I get into what you're bitching about. I'm going to bring in my next guest. Um, he is one of the hosts of citations needed podcast, and he's a writer and a media analyst at the column.substack.com. Please welcome Adam Johnson. Hi, so how are y'all doing? You guys, um, you heard how petty yet important what I was bitching about was. Um, what's what's under, what's crawling under your uh, skin today? Uh, Steve, what are you bitching about? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I, would, I would have to say... Uh, I think, you know, it's so funny. I heard you bitch about the Vax card thing, but I bartend at a bar in Covina, uh, and that's the, the outer reaches of Los Angeles County. Uh-huh. And uh, we started uh, Vax cards in, on, in October 7th, and our business dropped by 70%. Wow. Yeah. It's that bad out there. I think the further you get away from L.A. proper... Uh, the more conservative it gets, or sure. you know, I don't think Los Angeles is exactly like the most. Uh, I don't think it's as the liberal bastion that people lead on to be. No. Just like you say, I think things start to, you know, they start to crack through the, the the cracks. You start to seep and see things. And I also know a lot of people out here that are conservative or anti-vax that are smart enough to be quiet about it. I, I know a couple right. of people like that too. They're yeah. like, I just don't talk about it, and I can. Eat all the good good food without having to live too far away. Uh, yeah. Yo, that's crazy. I, I, so are you are you is? like I'd rather just have more business and just take like wear a double mask or whatnot? I just think it's uh, I think what's happening is that a lot of the bars and restaurants around us. I mean, we're about to see here in Los Angeles because I believe that that starts this week, right? Yeah. Um, where where restaurants in in LA in the city of LA. Uh, restaurants and uh, gyms and movie theaters, they're checking Vax cards everywhere. Um, I, I, we're about to see, I just don't, I don't think out there in Covina in the San Gabriel Valley, I don't think a lot of places are checking. Yeah. I think a lot of uh, businesses just don't, 
want to deal with it or they're, they're as concerned about the drop in business as we've had to deal with. Totally. Um, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't know what the real solution is. Um, we, you know, we live in this capitalistic country where everyone's just trying to make as much money as we can. And there's a lot of mom and pop places too, that, uh, it will hurt them if they, if they do it. So yeah. you need uh, state funded uh, happy hour for vaccinated people, you know, like state subsidized, <laughs> right. You can extend yeah, two for one drinks with your vax card. Thanks. Thank you. Newsom, whatever like something like that, but no, that's not, you know, that's not in the cards. They tried like a lottery system. I don't know. Um, I'm not a lottery system, but like literally giving away money. I don't know who won that, but someone. I was just thinking about that. We have no idea who won that thing. I I want to meet one person who won the Vax lottery. I'm going to make a sketch about it because I I don't know. There's no story that's come out. I would like to meet one person whose life has been transformed by the Vax lottery. It's it's similar to the People's Choice Awards. Have you ever met anyone who voted for the People's Choice Awards? Who are these people? Who are these people voting for the people? Same people who win these contests. (laughs) They're, right, they need so, to do so, like a like what is it clearinghouse? What waterhouse? Yeah, publishers clearinghouse. Publishers yeah. clearinghouse. Thank you. They <laughs> send the guy with the van. Yeah, think, a giant yeah. check signed by Newsom, etc. Make a big deal of it. Those balloons. Who was that? Was that? That wasn't Bob Parker, was it? Who was the guy that went with that? It wasn't Rob? Um, who am I thinking of? You know what? This is Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon. Oh, of course it was Ed McMahon. I was like, what did he do before Star Search? Because for me, there was just <laughs> yeah. Star Search. No, he was the big Chuck um, guy. Adam, yeah. is it yeah. commonplace? And you're in Chicago, right? Yeah. For, to check Vax uh, cards? No, no, not at all. Um, there's a mask mandate, uh, but there's no Vax cards. Um, I know that initially there was a sense that that the Delta, that the Delta variant changed the dynamics to the extent to which like being vaxxed didn't actually make a huge difference with respect to transmit to viral load and transmitting it. But then I guess that's not true again. Right. I think the New York times had a piece a couple of days ago saying that actually it does matter. So um, I think, I think vax card checks have to sort of be mandated aggressively by the state or they kind of don't work. Right. For um, sure. Because, because it's a race to the bottom. And like you said, the people who end up suffering, cause I mean, if you're, if it's sort of like we did with a lot of the lockdown stuff where, where um, you, you, on the one hand, the state offers no aid to small businesses or to individuals or waiters. And, and maybe they, they look, obviously they, they had the UI, but even that was a little difficult for a lot of people to get. And then at the same time, we do this kind of liberal scolding about, about shutting everything down, which I support, but like without the state help, you can sort of get the worst of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that leads that, that kind of um, inconsistency leads to a lot of cynicism about these rules. That's so but, true, um, dude. I think I think like a again you have to have across the board state enforcement of of fax card stuff otherwise like you said businesses will they'll just go somewhere else they'll go across the street to the guy who doesn't do it and so if you play by the rules and you care about people's public health you just get screwed mm-hmm. and um the, and a lot of the mass stuff in restaurants strikes me as a little performative because you're eating and drinking and taking your mask off 5 seconds after you walk in um it's I understand why they do most it most performative it's sort of, which I understand why they do it you know at the same time it's like we pack, you know, large basketball stadiums. It, it seems like a little, mm-hmm. seems a little arbitrary to me. Like, you know, whereas like a, a football stadiums outdoors, that's obviously much preferable because I think the outdoors is apparently like the major factor of viral spread, like outdoors or indoors. Sure. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I, I feel like a lot of these rules are a little bit, I don't think it's born from like cynicism from, from, from lawmakers. Uh, I think it's mostly just, they're being, they're very much pressured by business to, to, to open up 
quote unquote, open up. And they obviously aren't going to give anyone any more money to stay home. So all the aid went away, but the pandemic is still here, very much still here. And yes. so they kind of, everybody's basically just become Greg Abbott. Yeah. Like even liberal, liberal, liberal Democratic governors have just become Greg Abbott because they're like, oh, well, we, we can't write any more checks. So we're just going to do some performative mask wearing and tell everyone to, they're fuck you. You're on your own. Sorry, yeah. No, that's true. Um, Please swear. And, and Adam, on that note, are you, what are you bitching about? Cause I have, a, yeah. Well, I'm bitching about 80,000 things a day. So maybe be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, the thing that I'm bitching about lately is the New York Times. Actually, I don't want to scoop Sarah. She's working on a piece about it. So I won't say, I won't mention that. Uh, it was going to be about the the sort of, um, for, for, for months we were told that they could not waive patents um, for the, for the COVID-19 vaccine because uh, it didn't matter because countries in the global South, India, South Africa, Indonesia, in Brazil, they, they couldn't manufacture it. The New York Times went and found 22 different places that can manufacture it. Yep. Uh, that was all bullshit. That was all racist bullshit. Um, and basically, no one sort of followed up on that. Um, but like I said, Sarah's got a piece coming out of that, so I won't scoop that. I will say I, I'm i also obsessed with and have read now three times the Rolling Stone NFT article they did. Oh, did you see this? So Rolling Stone magazine did a front page cover about the the, the, the ape NFT things. Um, which are, which I don't, I don't know, know what the ape audience. one is, but I do know what an, I think I know what an NFT yeah, so is. So basically it's like a thing rich people buy that's art that you, right. that's digital. They have all these, and it's, it's a total, there are the very, various theories about what it is. It's kind of a, a bit like Bitcoin is slightly sort of, you know, multi-level marketing ish Right, has elements of money laundering. Um, but that, that aside, uh, but then it's a disclo- it's this weird puff piece about these, like you know, whatever your sort of typical hipster guys. And they're like, Oh, we like metal and hardcore. And at the end, Rolling Stone reveals in a disclosure that they've entered a business partnership to sell NFTs with these oh, people. God. It's literally a commercial <laughs> for like their monetizing, they're monetizing their, their brand in a very overt way. Um, and it has some of the sort of worst writing you've ever read. I, uh, you can check it out later, but I, I, it sort of shows how desperate a lot of these media, even support, like legacy media, like Rolling Stone now was quite literally running infomercials, um, which is part of a broader trend, which is NFT, crypto, gambling apps that, this, that yes. all these celebrities are backing increasingly, um, for want of a better term, degenerate or, or like to sort of trying to get the last $100 out of your wallet, um, <laughs> especially with all those stimulus checks, right? You can't have the poor having that much money. Uh, and they, they, they say they want to democratize these systems, but largely it's, 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 they're all, um, you know, they're just moving. It's, it's they're not real, but they're not creating a, a longer lasting light bulb or curing cancer, or creating a faster sure. airplane. It's, it's, it's fake. It's all, it's all just moving numbers around. No, and it's also kind of like cool guy. It's like, again, Elon Musk reply guy, cool guy, or like suppo- in heavy air quotes, cool guy shit, you know, yeah, like, sure. oh, you're up on something that nobody else is up on. You're the first, even though you don't have health care. You know what I mean? Like there's that. Yeah. It's a, well, it's a, a lot of MLM stuff is, is by its very nature, uh, multi-level marketing, not Marxist Landis Maoism. It is, um, <laughs> is, is, is about, um, it's, it's evangelical by nature because you want to pump it up so you can sell and make money off of it. So the, the sort of evangelism is inherent in the business model, which is right. why it's so effective, yes. right? This is a, started with selling Tupperware and, and makeup in the fifties with housewives. It's the same kind of logic, right? 100%. And so that's why you have so many intense people, um, but you, you know something's truly subversive when the richest guy in the in the world promotes it on Twitter all the time. Um, that's when. You oh know, hell yeah! 
No, he yeah, like you're, you're really sticking it to the man. <laughs> I know he's a billionaire, but like he's like our billionaire, you know? Yeah, and, uh, he's our billionaire. It's so <laughs> yo, I'm sorry. I, I, the Elon Musk shit, I'm done with it. And I was gonna do something on Elon Musk on this episode, but I can't fucking take the hate. But it's just like you guys realize this is what makes Trump. You guys realize these fools will like prop up a Musk for president, not seeing any of the parallels so not being like you yeah, know no it's it's bad to have billion or like rich people i don't he, trump is not a billionaire um anyway that's how it happens i thought he turned out he was a, technically a billionaire not that it matters but I don't sure know. I thought there was some tax returns Would maybe like, he reached like a billion um <laughs> well yeah sure i mean a I single like uh, tom steyer like a billion all right we got to move yeah. on to everything that happened this week and get into some good shit so briefly this was my rundown that i wrote in like five <laughs> minutes uh the supreme court uh definitely gonna overturn roe v wade if not now very very soon uh same-sex couples can finally get social security benefits from their deceased spouses which is insane that they can only do that now um a socialist is probably going to be mayor of buffalo and zuckerberg's rebrand of facebook will allow users to virtually storm the u.s capitol building uh <laughs> kyle rittenhouse's trial is probably going to make him even more of a martyr to the right wing and pete davidson and kim kardashian being seen holding hands proves that after ariana grande and kate beckinsale we can now say that the universe has finally made up for taking pete's dad on 9-11 for everything else, this is true. the it's week. It's a wash, really. Yeah. yeah. This is the week where. This was the week where we learned insurrectionists are getting a crash course in the American prisons uh, and prison system, since many of them are awaiting trial inside of them. And it turns out conditions are bad, and they want to speak to the manager of the prison industrial complex, Okay. This is from the attorney of a one Nathaniel DeGrave, uh, who was a guy that stormed the Capitol, uh, but said that he didn't hurt anyone. All right. He's got a very long letter. I'm just going to read a couple segments from it. This is from his lawyer. And it goes, as a political prisoner in pod C2B, which I immediately read as CB2. And I was like, what? You got (laughs) CB2 shit up there? That's cool. At the D.C. dock, otherwise known as D.C.'s Gitmo, the conditions here for January January Sixers have been inhumane. In fact, some inmates are even begging to be transferred to Guantanamo Bay, (laughs) where they have more acceptable standards. I feel like you took the wrong thing away from that Michael Moore dock, but okay. They're like, they've got health care. Um... Okay, rusty pipes, dirty water that flows from these sinks. White rags turn brown when exposed to the water from our faucets. You know how much they hate brown things and people. Uh, We're undergoing severe nutritional deficiencies and starvation. For breakfast this morning, I received a tray of flavorless paste, two slices of bread, and a slice of bologna. Lunches usually consist of rice and beans, but we'll get cold chicken and beef patties if we're lucky. For dinner, we're sometimes fed a diet of cheese sandwiches and bologna and cheese four to five times per week. Oh, also, we're forced to undergo humiliating strip searches despite all visitors being thoroughly checked for contraband. Um, Here's on on masks, right? Um, Masks need to be covering both the nose and mouth at all times, or we're threatened and locked down in our cells. Jan Sixers are always respectful to the employees around us, but CEOs maintain the need to invent reasons for discipline. Yeah. 
<laughs> You're just learning this now, honey? That's so yeah, sweet. The, the January 6th um, stuff always puts abolitionists, in, I think, in a weird spot, you know, of which I would consider myself. Um, I, I think, you know, at the same time, it's like, yes, when it, this is a classic example of kind of, you know, they're Columbusing the, the suffering in prisons like this. They <laughs> discovered it for the first time. This is obviously routine and it's frustrating for people who try to bring these things up. Well, now you sort of care. So again, suddenly Tucker Carlson cares about FBI informants for the first time ever. Right. Uh, suddenly all these people <laughs> yeah. care about the carceral. And one of the, one of the risks of January 6th, which we've talked about on our show, and I think it's, it is a legitimate risk is that this, that it is being exploited by pro law enforcement, FBI forces to kind of launder their, their brand post George Floyd uprisings, um, that they are going to use this as a way of showing, look, we, the FBI, again, the two weeks before J. Edgar Hoover, um, Two weeks after, rather, J. Edgar Hoover sent blackmail to, to Martin Luther King in 1964, a couple of weeks before he won the Nobel Peace Prize, um, they sent blackmail, anonymous mail, telling him to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, two weeks later, he met with MLK and they had a press conference and he talked about how they were going to fight the KKK. Right. This is the double game the FBI has been doing for years. It is a fundamentally, like all law enforcement agencies, a fundamentally white supremacist institution. Uh, and the, the 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 line between their informants in these groups and their actual participation in the groups is sometimes very blurry. And it, and, and and at one point, as much as twenty percent of the KKK in ni- the nineteen sixties was was full of FBI informants. Yeah, and 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 also um, it's, it needs to be said that a lot of like I totally agree with you. Obviously, that I don't think we need to use this as an excuse to create more informants and more like robust you know uh, surveillance agencies, but like. Hella law enforcement were part of the insurrection. Well, that's the thing too. And, <laughs> and, so you're and like, so they have incentive to act like they're both. They're both the cause. They want to. They need to again whitewash their role because there were so many law enforcement. I think it's at yeah. this point scores scores of example. Uh, there are th- threads, you know, where they show like multiple, you know, Houston, Bear County, New York. I mean, so many police people were involved because the the police are fundamentally fascist and white supremacist institutions, right? Um, so it's no, of course, it's it's very obvious that they would be heavily involved in a, in a fascist um, a coup attempt or push or whatever sort of term one wants to use. Um, and then, then they sort of turn around and say, oh, no, no, the FBI is somehow not the racist institution. We're going to solve the problem. Um, and there is, and I think that fundamentally creates a bit, a bit of a problem for liberals because you want to thread the needle of saying, look, you can't have attempted coups. There has to be accountability especially, you know, this, cause they're going to keep doing it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is, they're going to keep doing this every two years, every four years, they're going to deny election results, stir up the masses. Sometimes you're going to have to eat bologna. And I, gonna, I, I do yeah, want to go gonna... back into this. I do have to go back into the story. I want to get more to this. Cause this guy, Nathan, yeah, Nathan says he's innocent y'all. His goal <laughs> was never to, uh, he said he didn't destroy property. He didn't steal anything. Our goal was to make a documentary and get likes and shares. I want to get likes and shares. Now, who, what does Nathan look like? Who's this guy? Well, there he is. So <laughs> here he is, Nathaniel DeGrave, soup, not prepared for violence at all. Steve, this is the most nonviolent like, <laughs> outfit, right? <laughs> you dress like a Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtle reboot. <laughs> and and uh, so- I, I, I love going down this thread. As someone who's been to jail, I was just waiting for one of the, the tweets to contain something that didn't surprise me <laughs> and it never happened until, and I think he must be lying. Uh, I don't know if you're going to, if I'm jumping ahead or anything, but he says an officer even yelled, fuck America. 
and threatened to lock us down for a week That's if funny. we attempted to sing the national anthem. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the noted nope. the noted liberal prison guard union that, we, that endorsed 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 Trump more than Trump's wife did. Jesus. Yeah, I'm sure. So those this guy, people... I mean, this, this guy's acting like he hasn't even seen Shawshank Redemption. Right. This is all. There's nothing new about what he's saying. They turn over my bother. room whenever they want to. We've seen that. They, they miss they the lie. poster, motherfuckers. <laughs> Now, so, yeah, I mean, I'm reading it and I'm like, yeah, this is terrible. Uh, prisons should not be like this. They shouldn't exist like this. But also, I, I get, you know, I guess the fact that he's flabbergasted is laugh out loud funny. And then he lied about that. I would love to hear a cop say, fuck America. I would pay real money to hear a cop. Oh, say yeah. That. No, that definitely yeah, didn't this- happen. And wait, I have to show you because, yes, we should feel sort of sad for these conditions. But of course, I'm going to go with, you know, the nonviolent. Uh, drug offender over an insurrectionist who <laughs> most definitely did violence on oh one six. So this is him all clad. He's going after one of the security guards. He doesn't actually look like a Capitol police officer, just, just a security guard, maybe in an office. He's throwing punches. He's pushing. Yeah, you can't do that, buddy. Yeah. And we have, um, a, a let's see here. We have a video actually filmed by a homie of his where he's openly <laughs> admitting that he punched people. Um, so here we go. I punched this guy like five times in the fucking head. This is our house. So there he is. Uh, <laughs> telling his friend twice which is such a funny fucking dork move when like your friend didn't give you enough accolades when you were like uh uh for punching a guy five times in the face you have to say it yeah. again and be like hey i i, uh, I punch a guy five times so he's uh, that's him that's nathaniel de grave telling his friend who's got a body camera on uh that he punched a dude like i'm just saying White privilege is so magical, you guys. Like, if you think you can live stream yourself breaking into the U.S. Capitol and punching a police officer and thinking you deserve, like, paste with flavor after that, that's just <laughs> moi. Like, you just – I need some of that. I need some of that confidence, honestly. I, I wonder if that paste with flavor thing, if the paste is re- is real either. I've been to jail so I know bologna sandwiches just for traffic stuff, guys. Not nothing big. Just uh, yeah. those years when I was so uh, toiling away at TGI Fridays in West Covina and not paying tickets. But I've been <laughs> to jail. How long were, and, did you uh, have to stay there for? Uh, the I got processed in. It took eighteen hours. Got it. So that's the worst part where they move you from room to room. They strip search you. You have to sit next to like very bad people. Uh, and it was awful and it was gross. But once I got to the, the, my bed, I got out like a few hours later, Yeah. but the bologna and cheese sandwiches, those are real. They come in bags of liquid. Uh, it's disgusting, but I don't know what this fuck. I don't know what this pace could be. Yeah. I don't know what that pace is either. I have also had bologna sandwiches in, in not prison, but like a jail, uh, for being arrested during the Iraq war. And then at the RNC, the Iraq war lead up and then during the RNC. And I remember those and they're gross as shit. They're bad. But so nothing like nothing like traffic tickets after working I mean, at TGI Fridays. Yeah. Right. I had okay. a, I, I had, I had a, I had drunken vandalism. My, mine is so not sexy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, cause Sarah, 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 was, Sarah was like, I've been arrested a couple of times for protesting. And I'm like, I, that was not doing that. Really <laughs> um, Sarah is Adam's partner, by the what, way. What, I love that Sarah is a presence on the show. Shout I out did to do, her. 
I, I did do I did do overnight um, at the same time that Dominic Strauss Kahn was in the same, and it was in Manhattan County Jail. So that was a cool story. Although he wasn't in the same, he was set by himself. But we were uh, we were in there together. We did hard time for one night. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, you know, it's it's again, it's always sort of tough. Um, there's a really good report written by uh, Nicole Wynn, who's a who's a um, who's a professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago. It's called Why Treating White Supremacy as Domestic Terrorism Won't Work and How, to, and how Not to Fall for It, a Toolkit for Social Justice. Um, I think it's actually, if you get a chance to check it out, check it out, sort of how do you kind of thread the needle of talking about the threat of white supremacist violence, which of course January 6th was, like it was, it was a fascist mob and of, of the kind of worst kind without helping boost or further fund, because again, the response to January 6th has been more federal money for Capitol Police, for the FBI, et cetera, without necessarily emboldening these same forces. Because like sort of no matter what happens, the FBI and police departments get more money. The Capitol Police were letting people in literally on camera and then they turn around and get you know 20 million more dollars it's almost like we need to defund the police motherfuckers yeah no matter what happens again this and i think that this is in many ways can become an anti-defund argument that they owe the problem is not that the rank and file and our police you know police departments and the police union leadership are a bunch of you know fascist crybabies it's actually that we need more money to like have anti-bias training. And of course right. the money just goes to more hiring more police exactly. officers. So and no, but, that, but you're, yeah. you're, but that's the point though, is like you, how can you award more money to these institutions when they have made no commitment to actually rooting out white supremacists in their midst, right? If they've not, not let alone any kind of commitment to real reform or accountability when it comes to their violence. Right. So what are we doing here? So I, I, yes, of course, it's always used to prop up kind of the exact same evil that led to this in the first place. Yeah, because the, the instinct doesn't want to sort of expand terrorism discourse, right? To say, okay, it's important we call these people terrorists. Right. And I think, so, you know, it's important that we give them really harsh prison sentences. And it's like, look, of the top 10,000 people in jail that are going to make my heart bleed, these people aren't going to crack that. They're not going to crack the top 100,000, right? Um, at the same time, you want to sort of, it's at the, you know, at the same time, it's like, do we really want to expand this kind of carceral logic, this, this, this anti-terrorism logic? And it's so tempting to do because you're going to, because if we're going to have this fucked up system, it may as well be slightly more equitable, but you know, putting, putting X percent more people in jail is not going to take anyone out of it. And right. so I don't know, it's, it's, it's been interesting to watch the discourse, you know, threading that needle. Um, and then of course, you know, you're sort of typical kind of CNN, FBI, CIA, uh, and then MSNBC has all these people too, kind of laundered through their, their instincts is to always say, oh yeah, we need more law enforcement, more infiltration, more FBI money. And it's like, well, yeah, because that's that's always the answer for every problem we have. Uh, again, never mind that these the rank and file are 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 extremely right wing, as indicated by the fact that they're they're having mass petulant walkouts and protest over something as simple as a vaccine mandate. They they won't do a they won't do a mass mandate at all. NYPD doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. And so, um, you know, asking why there's all these white supremacists and police is like asking why there's no vegan food at a barbecue restaurant. It's the thing they do. Yeah. One hundred percent. And by the way, Gitmo isn't much better, guys. I just want to say, sorry, (laughs) Uh, like, like, I don't know if you've heard about Guantanamo, but it's actually like really bad. Like they do like rural torture there. And uh, so, but if you want to go, I mean, be my guest. Look, you could write about it. You could, you know, I don't know, be the, the, the one white guy in Gitmo, sell a lifetime film. Fuck. I don't know. But like, let's talk about, I mean, just briefly, there's a guy that just came out recently who was in Gitmo, who has been speaking 
And we've hear, heard firsthand now for the first time, this is uh, a guy named Majid Khan, who said that he was suspended naked from a ceiling beam for long periods of time, doused repeatedly with ice water to keep him awake for days, had his he- head held underwater to the point of near drowning, only to have water poured into his nose and mouth when the interrogators let him up. He was beaten, given forced enemas, sexually assaulted, and starved in overseas prisons whose locations were not disclosed. You want that, buddy? Do you want that? No. I you mean, do. That, you this, is, this, is, this is a classic example of the, the adage that, that right-wing paranoia is about worrying about a future where white people are subjected to the, to the things we're already doing to people of color. Yes. So like you see Alex Jones talking about FEMA camps and it's like, yes, they're called internment camps at the border. You talk about jackbooted thugs breaking into your house. It's like, yes, it's called mo- most black people's interactions with the police. And so now you see the scenario where it's like, you know, you have Tucker Carlson doing a whole special about how, oh, there, you know, there's a new war on terror. It's like, buddy, the war on terror never stopped. <laughs> This is the same war on terror. There are 15,000 FBI informants. They largely entrap mentally unwell Muslims, typically between the ages of 18 and, and 25. Like th- th- this is not this is not new, and it doesn't really disproportionately target you know target Cletus. Although it can, and that, that maybe has its own problems. The, you know, the amount of FBI informants at the Bundy Ranch, for example, kind of shows how this can be a little problematic. But um, th- this is this is not something that is of of uh, new. It is not an increased federal power. It's just they're kind of picking off a few more white people to to help their public relations in the wake of George Floyd. For, for sure. So we have to move on to our next story and we have to race through it. So um, I am going to ask you all to keep your comments brief because I have to have every last word. Um, and <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm, but I'm serious. I really want to get to both of these stories. And I know we have not that much time. And thank you all for being here. I hope you're liking and subscribing and sharing the stream. OK, this is the week where... World leaders are gathering uh, in Glasgow to try and commit to saying they'll attempt to one day see if they can agree that they should stop maybe the climate apocalypse. Um, That's right. It is the UN Climate Change Conference, COP26, 26, because there have been 25 other attempts, um, which is cute how they count up like we have time. You know, like they should really be counting down like this should be COP 11, as in we have 11 years to solve the climate crisis and then COP 10, COP 9, COP 8 and COP 0 is either like a raging party or all the world leaders have to collectively commit suicide. That's my feeling on that. Um, And. Biden really wanted this to be his like grand coming out party. He wanted to show leadership that the United States was going to lead the way uh, when it came to stopping climate change and curbing emissions. But he's not exactly living up to his promises um, because he's actually pushing more fossil fuel extraction as we speak um, because he says we basically need it. I think he blamed the supply chain, essentially. But this is from the G20, which is just a few weeks ago. He said, with gasoline prices rising above $3.30 a a gallon nationwide, Mr. Biden over the weekend urged major energy producing countries with spare capacity to boost production, part of a larger effort to pressure OPEC countries and Russia to create the supply of oil. Um, He was joined by Macron of France, whose country hosted the 2015 Paris meeting. Obviously, you guys remember that one. Um, Biden admitted on the surface, it seems like an irony. He said at a news conference, but the truth of the matter is you've got all, you all know, everyone knows that the idea we're going to be able to move to renewable energy overnight, he said, was just not rational. Um, 
He said it does on the surface seem inconsistent, but it's not all inconsistent in that no one has anticipated that this year we'd be in a position or even next year that we're not going to use any more oil and gas. We're not going to be engaged in any fossil fuels. We're going to stop. We're going to stop subsidizing those fossil fuels. We're going to be making significant changes. And it just makes the argument that we should move more rapidly to renewable energy, to wind and solar and other means of energy. If you didn't understand any of that, you're likewise, bro, because that made no sense. It was like, I don't we're I don't know, but we're in this situation anyway. We got to have we got to do more drugs to stop the drugs. You see what I'm saying? Um, and he says he's going to stop fu- uh, funding and subsidizing the fossil fuel industry. It looks like that is not true because as part of the climate and social spending plan that we're going to soon talk about, but the one making its way through Congress or not, no part of that plan talks about eliminating subsidies for the fossil fuel industry, which are estimated to be $20 billion annually. So what? So here we are and we're kind of flopping, you guys. We're kind of like, this was supposed to be Biden's like, again, coming out internationalism party And we can't really get our own house in order. And there's a lot of problems with the stuff that's even in or not in the Build Back Better Act when it comes to the climate. But um, thoughts on this? Thoughts on that? Just like the idea that we have to like burn oil to save oil. Does that make any sense? Well, Biden, you know, he we elected him because he's full of shit. (laughs) <laughs> so that none of this is like a that's why they elected him. Uh, so none of this is a surprise at all. But I, I guess just to, for him to say that we're, you know, you make some now, but I promise we're going to stop subsidizing to make that jump. I, I mean, it just it, it, he says it's irony, but it is just an outright lie that nobody believes. Uh, it isn't. It's infuriating to sit here and to listen to you read his quotes. Is all I. Have to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was he was definitely not pulling any punches when it came to how unwilling he was to like end fracking expansion. Right, so he was like, "No, I am pro fracking." Meanwhile, this week he's also saying that he wants to reduce methane emissions by thirty percent, and methane emissions are uh, hugely related to fracking. And a lot of that, um, the emissions from fracking. So, again, he went bent over backwards to sell centrists, but mostly conservatives and mostly his own party, that he was all on all on board with fracking. Um, I mean, the bottom line is, I don't think any. I mean, the gap between liberal rhetoric and liberal action on climate change is is, I think, one of the major, probably second most to right wing media drivers of climate denialism. Mm. Um, we, they speak in these apocalyptic correctly, by the way, apocalyptic, urgent terms, you know, this kind of platitudes about believing the science, capital B, capital S, this kind of patronizing as if science is somehow politically neutral um, language. And then when it comes to actual policy, like, the, like for example, you know, oil and gas permits and, you know, from, from the governor of California, from uh, uh, not only not banning fracking, but like aggressively lobbying how much they're not going to ban fracking, which yes. we now know is, is comparable to coal in terms of actual, uh, you know, carbon emissions and, and the process of making it. Um, and then on the one hand, they do this kind of, we believe in the science stuff. And this is kind of a distillation of, of a lot of liberalism, which is, you say the right thing, you know, you sort of say the right racial justice language, you kind of say the right, uh, the climate speak, the right kind of nonprofit speak. But then at the end of the day, you know, you do a lot of tax breaks. There's a lot of tax incentives in the bill that are not bad. It was something like 350 billion, but um, that's not like 
you're not if we're going to come close to meeting the threshold, the, the you know, the, the 3.7 Fahrenheit, two degree uh, threshold that everyone at COP26 is allegedly uh, angling for, we're going to have you have to stop fossil fuels from coming out of the ground now. We you should have stopped it 10 years ago. This is just again, we talk about the science. That is just the science. That's not negotiable. Yeah. And then we talk about being carbon neutral by 2050 to reach this average. But what people understand is that that average is a global average. And if we all, if, if every country strives for the same average, you disproportionately affect poor countries and developing countries in the global South, because the average is a global average, which ignores the fact that the U.S. is the historically the largest carbon emitter and per capita, the largest, I think, second only to Saudi Arabia um, on Earth. And suddenly the U.S. Have, believes in equity, like, oh, yes, we believe that. Well, right. let's, let's so do this it is now. a classic <laughs> example of of. We, you know, we, we, we've come up the ladder of, of fossil fuel emissions and became extremely wealthy, but now we're going to sort of put the burden on these poor countries to have the same burden we do, even though the burden should be proportionate to historic fossil fuel emissions. Yeah. Which if that were the, you know, it's like this argument about overpopulation. It's like, oh, we have too many people. It's like, well, if you look at how many, how many people in the global North and the United States consume versus people in, in sub-Saharan Africa, like if you're, if you're, if, if the criteria for overpopulation is too much consumption of resources, then you should be eating a gun right now. Um, you know, not, not to be, not to be macabre about it, but like, that's, you know, that's just the reality. Um, and so you have this kind of inverted, you know, uh, upside down triangle of responsibility where the U S refuses to kind of take that. And of course, half the time, we don't even talk about the drivers of climate change. We don't talk about the fossil fuel oil companies. Right. I mean, ABC, ABC news had this really I mean, it was, a, it was a great report in many ways. It was four and a half minutes. They went, they went to Madagascar and talked talk to all these people who are suffering from climate famine. And not once did they mention oil and gas or fracking. It was this abstraction. It's a, it's a moral yeah. failing on the part of individuals versus industries that drive this. Yes. Um, I wanted to just bring up one other thing, which is that it is from what I've been reading on this and we have to kind of move on, but I... It is interesting to see the ways that once again, it kind of all goes back to our domestic policy and the fact that Biden wants to deliver on promises to the world, maybe kind of, but he's hamstrung also by Republicans and whether or not he likes being hamstrung by them or whether he's not and, and, and Democrats like Joe Manchin. So this is, you know, this is a piece from truth out talking about how one of the biggest pieces of the um, climate money that is in the Build Back Better Act has been stripped out of it. And that's the one where there's actual consequences. So it's $150 billion, which is, again, not that much, of clean energy performance program, which was at once the centerpiece of the climate proposals that incentivizes the move to clean energy, but more importantly, penalizes those companies that don't make the move. And that was stripped from the reconciliation bill, of course, because of Manchin, who is against any kind of fines, any kind of taxes, any kind of anything that would hurt his own bottom line, because of course he's invested in coal. So it's like, even the shit, it's so sad that it all goes through Joe Manchin. And I'm not so cynical to say that Joe Biden absolutely is not serious at all about climate change. I think he is, but I think he's way too wedded to this bullshit notion of bipartisanship and sort of glad handing and getting along with people who want to tank his agenda, completely want to tank it. And and it's so sad that the world is like, oh, we can't make good on our promises or at least start to. Because by the way, without those penalties, the estimates are that we won't be able to reduce our emissions by half by 2030, which is the goal and which would keep us on track to the the commitments that we made um, to the United Nations and to the world. 
and not to mention would fucking save our own lives. Uh, so it's, uh, but, it's, but you have, you have, you know, I know we have to move on too, but then you have regular people. So as much as we have, we're talking all these grand ideas and everything, you have regular people get mad when they have to pay a little more for gas or when they have to pay 35% more for gas. So as, as long as, you know, we stay consumers and we continue to be America, yeah. we are fucked because nobody wants to be uncomfortable. Exactly. And imagine Biden trying to run for reelection when like gas is at, you know, five dollars, six, whatever it is, which, by the way, gas prices in this country are insanely cheap. If you've ever bought gas in another country, like it's just absurd how expensive it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. It's like, well, you won't be reelected if somehow fucking gas prices are too high when you're trying to get reelected and they'll blame your climate agenda. At least the right will. Well, they're going to blame it no matter what. So, I mean, yeah. That, Might as well have our is, lives and then take the blame. I, I think Biden and a lot of Democrats largely view climate still like, again, I just don't think they kind of believe they can do anything about it. I think it's a lot of theater. Hmm. And I think we have to come to that cold realization. This kind of electoral math of gas prices is kind of one factor. But the way they talk about it, the way the media talks about it, it's called, you know, routinely climate is called a progressive wish list. It's seen as this kind of ideologically you know, again, it's like, it's like power windows or dual side airbags. It's, you know, it's not essential to having a car. It'd be nice. You know, XM radio would be nice to have, but it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of extra versus this existential thing we have to do in the next 10 years, or we're not going to make it. And yeah. the gap in ra- between rhetoric and action indicates to me, and I think, cause I think action always matters more that a lot of the people in charge are worried about climate mitigation. They're worried about shoring up naval bases. They're worried about border security but don't really think they can actually reverse it. I think it's mostly just theater. Mm. Well, let's move on to our last, I mean, just super upper conversation. Like. <laughs> Sorry. I don't want to, I don't want to believe that. I'm not trying to be cynical, but <laughs> you know, people's actions matter and people talk about climate. Like it's this ideological left-wing radical kind of yeah. superfluous and sort of, you know, giving a pony to everybody kind of thing. And it's just, no, it's, it's not. It just, doesn't match the actual science and it doesn't match what they actually say and do. No, for sure. I mean, no one is actually willing be- because it is all tied to ramping down consumerist capitalism, trade, not for xenophobic reasons, but for or, you know, weird white supremacist nationalistic reasons, but to save the planet. And that means a hit of the GDP, which fucking means nothing in the lives of everyday people. No one's willing politically to stick their necks out for that. And Biden certainly isn't. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe Manchin is a foil for him. Speaking of Manchin, we got more where that came from because <laughs> this was the week where we found out the concrete details of the Build Back Better plan, the human infrastructure side, um, which has been pared down to $1.75 trillion, uh, uh, when it was $3.5 trillion. It was supposed to be Biden's version of FDR's New Deal or LBJ's Great Society. But instead of Great Society, it's more like, come on, man, at least we still have a society. Uh, uh, It does not include things like free community college, paid family leave or a billionaire tax. And it expands Medicare to only cover seniors hearing support, but not dental or vision. So somebody better teach them. Oh, yeah. Uh, Only at what? Only up to $800. It doesn't even completely cover it. But Oh, yeah. That's like right. one ear. I was just going to yeah. say somebody better teach them how to, you know, download podcasts and they won't be able to see it, but they could listen. <laughs> um, yeah. 
The plan does have a short extension of the child tax credit and universal pre-K, which kind of feels self-defeating because, look, if the elderly could hear, see, and chew, maybe they would be healthy enough to take care of their own grandchildren. You see what I mean? Like, this is... I'm a fucking genius, you guys. Um, (laughs) This was all supposed to convince Cinema and Mansion, who, again, are like those centrist corporate holdouts. Um, One doesn't want to raise taxes on anybody. One doesn't want to have social programs for anybody. Um, But they haven't even promised to vote on this pared-down bill. In fact... Manchin is taking the opportunity of Biden being, I guess, out of the country to grandstand and do press conferences about how he's not really convinced about this bill. And here's what he said to reporters earlier today about whether he will or won't support the bill. Um, And he says, let's wait to see what progressives do. When the White House released this framework, the idea was that it was all negotiated. Now it seems like you still have other issues with it. No, no, the, White House, knew exactly, the White House knew exactly where I stood. There was a couple of concerns that we had that we had to work through. And to say that you automatically signed off on things, I've been here long enough to know that when you say you signed off on things, you ought to keep your word. And I'm not going to be a liar or make anyone else a liar. So that's why I hadn't, because there was a few things that needed to be more uh, I think more directly worked on, and I had said that, and we've been working on it. What they should do is look at the things we all agree on. My goodness, we're agreeing on on child care, we're agreeing on th- uh, pre-K, we're agreeing on home uh, home care, we're agreeing on so many things that are really good, and we're working on climate, very progressive, I think, in a good way, and we'll get something done, I believe. But you know, to hold the bill hostage is what I was saying. I just waited till the president's plane landed because he'd asked that he would like to have something that everyone saw how important that was and allow him to go there and not do anything because I worked clear through the week as you know the weekend mm-hmm. went up to the house and visited with him and all that and thought we had some pretty good understanding on things and we'll, we'll get this back on track so let's see what they do they need to pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill so what he's saying there is that the progressives need to get on board with the bipartisan infrastructure bill which is what he wanted and then he'll see whether he supports the pared down version of the Build Back Better plan. Um, And honestly, again, flexing, not giving any kind of indication. Yeah, we'll get it done. But he said privately, he can wait till next year. He doesn't give a shit. Um, He does not care. And before I get you guys' reactions, I do want to play this clip from the Congressional Progressive caucus leader Pramila Jayapal, Representative Pramila Jayapal, and remind you all that this was sort of part of the plan, right, to leverage progressive power, voting power to not vote for the the big infrastructure bill, not the big, the small infrastructure bill, um, until they got guarantees on this 3.5 or now $1.75 trillion bill. And they were going to sort of leverage that. All right, let's wait for the Senate to get on board. Then we'll vote it. Then it's sort of like a, you know, kind of back and forth. Again, I keep on saying like the 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 fox and the uh, the fox and like the chicken and the bag of feed puzzle. Like that's how they're fucking doing it. Turns out, it seems like progressives have sort of dropped that leverage altogether. And this is uh, Representative Jayapal saying she's ready to vote for it now. This week, we will have votes on both the infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better Act together, which is what we've called for for weeks. So we finally got what we've been saying, and we, we're glad that people listened to us. Um, he, was after, saying, he, was, he was saying, trust me, on Thursday, though. But we didn't have the bill. And he did not ask for us to vote on that day. He said, I need votes on both bills. 
And we have been saying for months, we are not going to vote just on an idea or a promise or a framework. We're going to vote on legislation. The minute we have legislation, we can look at it. Our members can decide whether it is good enough, which we feel very good about. Then we will pass both bills. And I think that is what we've been saying for weeks. I don't understand why anyone's confused about it. Last week, we did not have a vote on the, Bi- on, the, uh, uh, on the Build Back Better Act. We did not have text. This week, we have text. We're going to have a vote on both bills. I'm confused by it because I didn't think that was the deal. I thought the deal was not that you have text. So good, we have text. Let's sign off on it. I thought it was, we'll see if we like it. Then we'll leverage. Then we'll discuss. And not, I'm going to accept whatever the fuck mansion and cinema negotiated down and all the other centrists negotiated down without even promising that they would vote on it. Now you're going to say that all we're all going to vote for it? Is it that good? Do you know something we don't? So I'm a little surprised by this. Um, what are your guys' thoughts? Well, does anybody have any power besides Joe Manchin and, and Kristen Cinema? <laughs> I mean, if they're ultimately going to just do whatever they want, them even, I mean, what can they, what can they do? I mean, they could not lie like in this interview and act like they, they've been going along with this the whole time. They can do that. Yeah. But ultimately, it feels like, these two senators are holding everything hostage. Is is that just true? Is that just how it is? Well, what's funny is that, you know, Manchin says that the progressives, congressional progressives are holding it hostage. So when, when they have a, when they have a floor, that's them holding it hostage. When he has this Im- immovable ceiling, that's him just being a principled, right? Sort of the other person's yeah. always. And so, I mean, look, the X factor here is how does this thing play out? And I don't want to get into process here, but what matters politically is like, who are they going to blame? Mm-hmm. And the way that the media works, broadly speaking, is that the assumption is, is that the centrist position is the rational one and that if progressives hold out, they're being radical ideologues. So they're pretty much fucked. And yeah. not to make excuses for them, because I, I don't want to do that, is that historically that's how it works, that if the bill doesn't happen because Manchin refuses to to give in and to fund more things progressives view as being deal breakers, then that just goes off into a memory hole and we don't talk about it again. But if the the, the progressive caucus refuses to sign off on the stems and seeds version, right? And then the Democrats get their ass handed to them in 2022, then it's all their fault. So it, 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 there's a there's an asymmetry with how these things are covered and that asymmetry gives all the power to mansion, but it, there is not necessarily any law of nature that says that in the event the bill does fail, the, all the blame should happen should go to the, the progressive caucus. That is just what's going to happen. No, so therefore, insane. they I mean, have all the power. Yeah, and it's insane because... <laughs> I want, I'd like to imagine you're wrong because after, you know, in the beginning of these discussions, which they've been going on for fucking ever, um, it started with the progressives are being the cantankerous ones. And then as Steve's saying, we all started to understand right. that it was just Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin who were not willing to negotiate on shit and who were the ones holding it hostage completely. And they've been hounding them and hounding them and hounding them. And even to the point, and I got to say, I almost felt in that interview, like the the um, the host, and I don't know his name, but he, uh, he was like, but he told you that last week. Like, he made false promises to you, like, weeks ago. He's talking about Manchin there. He's telling, you know, Pramila Jayapal, like, you've been lied to before. How do you know? And to me, I think you might be right, Adam, where it's like progressives know they're kind of fucked either way. And they want to leave a little bit with their heads held high and say, yes, it is good enough. I don't want to look like I got screwed over by Manchin yet again, you know? 
So it's and almost, then you have you have, you have democratic leadership who has zero interest in actually like using the bully pulpit really or 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 holding mansion or campaigning West Virginia or campaigning in Arizona. There's no there's no arm twisting. There's nothing. Yeah. When Pelosi talks about the you know half the two three trillion trillion dollars being cut out of the program, she's like, yeah, you know, you got to make compromises. It sounds like she's ordering Thai food. It's <laughs> sort of there's no no one no one's other than Bernie Sanders, Ocasio Cortez, and, and some of the sort of progressives, right? Nobody's really mad about it. Right. It's kind of just this. It's just that's the way it is. You know, Joe and I were buddies, and never nothing seems very high stakes. Right. It sort of seems like it's just a process that they just you know you bet on the Chiefs, I bet on the Rams. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I think that one thing I've been hearing more and more in the climate discussion and in things like the student debt discussion, I know AOC said this on on Instagram recently, which is like, hey, just use executive orders. Like at this point, especially when it comes to climate, a lot of folks are like, we yes. we have only to re- rely on the executive orders and we should because we're not going to get enough passed through Congress. Um, and yeah, same with student debt. And I keep on saying this, man, if, if Biden abolished okay, he's looking at 10,000, probably eight, probably like a means tested four. But if he did $50,000 flat, tell me he wouldn't be reelected by a fucking new and growing young Democratic voting base. My God, the easiest way to ensure his reelection. There's a ton of stuff Democrats could do that is very popular to win elections, but they, they, they only want to win elections within a very finite ideological framework. And that is definitely not in that ideological framework. Not. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our final segment. But before I do, thank y'all for chatting with us, for being here, for opining, for becoming patrons so you get access to our bonus episode after this. We're talking about Q. Um, Thank you for that. Lower third. On bitching and vaccines, Jesse James 702 says, I only like to be in chat rooms with a 100% vaccinated audience. (laughs) <laughs> same, same too. I respect that. That sounds like a audiences. Are you doing Zoom comedy, bro? Um, are you down in the trenches with us? On prisons, Robin Pettit on YouTube says, I find it so surreal that the same people used to find any lessening of the conditions in our jails as being a waste of our time are the same people complaining about the conditions in the jails. I mean, it's kind of one of those like, oh, well, I didn't realize LGBTQ rights were a thing until uh, my daughter Right, was a lesbian and you're like well fucking if that's what it takes uh, uh jfmel jfmehl81 on twitch says it was peace it was a peaceful tour of the capital or it was antifa or no 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 it was a false flag by the fbi indeed it's a it's a perfectly solid alibi oh uh, that's right it was antifa for a while I forgot about that. Sometimes it is still Antifa. I feel like oh, I'm okay. <laughs> I feel like they, they trial balloon that one. It didn't go too well because the, the 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 Nazis were like, no, 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 it's us. Don't don't. Yeah, yeah. We, we <laughs> want the credit, but they don't want the credit. I love that yeah. about Nazis. They're so funny like that. Um, Roger Galactico on Twitch, I on COP26. I think I'm glad I'm old and will die before climate the climate kills me, but good luck, everyone. You know. Okay, boomer. Like that's, that's I gotta <laughs> hate you a little bit. I, I like little, thank you for glib. watching. Um, <laughs> on Biden's statement on the COP twenty six, uh, Ash Manile on Twitch says that sounded a lot like Grandpa just rambling about nothing. Yeah, he was back and forth. On Build Back Better lithographer nineteen sixty six, the Build Back Better is then it, the Build Back is better than nothing. Bill. Oh well, I guess nothing then. Yeah, 
Nothing will fundamentally change. Um, Bucks went on Twitch. They're going to pull the football from the progressive Charlie Brown style. Honestly. It, right. If they win and get what they want, they were holdout assholes who hate democracy and can't compromise. If they lose, well, then they're loser progressives that we can continue to ignore and whose wildly popular policies we can pretend don't exist. Um, anywho, let's move on to something else. Uh, once again, a reminder, patreon.com slash habituation room because we're going to do a bonus episode all about JFK Jr. or Sr. coming back. Steve's going to join me with that. And Steve reads the Bible as a podcast. And so I feel like he can tell us a little bit about cults and what all this means. Um, <laughs> uh, no disrespect, Ob, Steve, but you know. No, I know. The, I know these people. I I I know these people. <laughs> I love some of these people. It's tearing my family apart. I can't wait to talk about it. Yes, I'm excited. Um, and once again, TBR dash live, TBR live on Cash App. If you want to, if you want to um, tip. TBR dash live on Venmo, TBR live on Cash App. But let's get into the final segment, guys. Um, as you know, everything we make, we don't actually make. It comes from China and uh, or parts of it do. And we need those parts. Ergo, supply chains have been disrupted and you can't get furniture. You can't get, um, uh, I don't know, I've heard people have trouble getting a CPAP machine. Basic Things, medical supplies, random things, shake weights, Nutribullets, all the stuff. And it's the supply chain. So for this, we're going to talk about what we are blaming on the supply chain that it isn't going right in our lives. This is Blame the Chain. So I'm going to blame the chain for a joke I had a little bit ago that I thought was like solid. But like Steve and Adam, like nothing, just Wait, dead. Well, which one? I was talking about cop and how they should count down, and then people. No, I, I did, I did, a, I did a laugh. I thought that was quite clever. You did a laugh? Do you know how? I, to- no, I did a laugh. I did, a, I did. A, I, well, I'm not. You know, let's be honest. I'm not the most jolly person. Here, I, I, I did, a, I did, a, I, did a, I did a laugh. I there was a there was a laugh, and I believe a nod. Okay, okay, I good. I did a, and I, you know, or I did one of those Jay Leno clap things. No, I, I did. Um, okay, I, I thought that was quite clever. Well, you no, I, I didn't. I didn't see a twinkle in your eyes, so I wasn't sure if it was a joke. I haven't had a twinkle in my eyes since the Obama administration. I needed man. more of a, a twinkle, <laughs> and I'm, I would have been cracking up. Remate. Yeah, um, yeah. Punchline, punchline vibes. It's different here. Um, I'm suddenly drier. But, yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll, blame the, I'll blame the chain. I'll blame the supply chain for people not, like, flooding, a, you know, the weekly stand-up show that – a couple of shows that I run. <laughs> I assume it is something to do with them not being comfortable because they can't get their furniture to their house or they're waiting for it to be delivered. And they're like, maybe it's tonight. And so they don't come and buy tickets to my show, which they should. And you should buy tickets to also Steve's show. Um, but Steve, what are you blaming the chain on? Or this what- is a real, this is a real supply, uh, supply chain issue i believe uh the halloween costumes um listen i hate dressing up uh i'm so old uh i've been doing this for so long but i have a priest outfit that i just wrap up every year and i put it away and then i put the priest outfit back on my dear wife it was a no-brainer hey i'll be a nun she'll be a nun we'll be a priest and a nun 
And she went on on the Thursday before, two or three days before, absolutely nothing. Nothing. No, there was two costumes, no accessories. The poor woman had to dress up as a as a hippie, which you know is so sad for a grown-up woman to do. Yeah. When they're just wearing hippie. It's like, you know, everyone thought she didn't care about Halloween, that she was a thoughtless person. Oh, uh, we got in a fight in the car. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, and manufacture I, <laughs> out of like a black sheet and like a thingy and it's a nun. There's no sheets. Not with the supply chain stuff. OK, <laughs> uh, no black sheets anywhere. Uh, it, she my wife looked like a fool. And frankly, that made me look like a fool. And so uh, any kind of <laughs> division. we wearing, had, wait, 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 hang on. Your wife looked like a fool, even though you're the one who's been wearing the same costume every single year. People don't know. They don't know. I just wear the costume so you, people lay off me. You don't have like friends you see more than once, like on Halloween. They don't. Like, I'm just like, just them? don't, don't ask me. You know, lay off oh. me. That's why I wear the priest thing. Just don't ask me about anything. I, I think maybe there's a way to do hippie if you like roll yourself in dirt and mud and you're like, I'm Woodstock, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> that's good. But I definitely good- have done the like, I guess I'm I'll just hold a peace sign. It's for a classic life. lazy costume because you just wear like bell bottoms and yeah, like some kind of, you know, jewelry. And you're like, yeah, man, I'm the 60s circle glasses right there. Yeah. Yes. Supply chain responsible for my divorce. That's right. <laughs> it's over and I, i'm glad i'm doing it here on the bituation room i hope mom's watching <laughs> hell yeah adam what are you blaming on the supply chain well oh, uh, i don't know um the bears having no offense it's not really a sports show so i can't do that um, <laughs> you can do whatever you want i think there's like some kind of problem with their the training equipment which is why justin Fields is kind of a bit of a dud um no, I don't know. Because um, football I, I, is about you got to attack and score points, but if you can't prevent the other one from scoring, that's less like. <laughs> well, historically, their defense is usually quite good, but no, that's not even true. So they're just bad in general. And, um, you know, I've been in Chicago now four years, so it was part of my my uh, sort of initiation. I have to sort of complain about that. You have to just do da bears. Or, or, or the or, or the epitomous bitch about the Chicago Bears. Um, I do do bears. Yeah. You just, you can't help it. It's a very large football town, but, um, so I'm definitely blaming the supply chain on that. I'm also blaming the supply chain on, um, a couple of jokes that I had that didn't work either. So I, I'm, <laughs> this is my new thing now is, um, is anytime someone doesn't, doesn't give me a belly laugh, I, uh, I blame some sort of First, efficiency if, in the markets. If I don't give an indication that it's a joke, then you definitely don't give an indication that it's a joke, but I like this. I feel like we're all getting yeah. to know each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we can all tell when Steve's joking because his mustache just sort of like wobbles in a way. There is a tell. Yeah. I throw my head back. I chuckle. Okay. That, <laughs> you know, that's not a, it's not that's, fair. That's for you. You've got dimples. You, you like, we can tell when it, like, if I. Can, can you just do like a Big Bang Theory laugh track situation? Cause that would be more helpful. <laughs> <laughs> People uh, would be so confused why there's canned laughter in the middle of a Twitch stream. Um, from the comments, Sporkle on YouTube looks like Fleetwood Mac was wrong. We broke the chain. Lol. Mm, such a good song. Uh, Mr. X on YouTube. I haven't had a twinkle in my eye since Rush Limbaugh died. <laughs> what about the day Trump got COVID? Remember that day? I'm Great so day. so happy. That united the left, the liberals, the progressives, the anarchists, the Trotskyists. It didn't matter. Everybody, everybody so united. So true. It like then, yeah, the uh, Warren, the Warren and the Bernie stands like shut up, and everyone together. just like held hands. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, it was. It was the only time we ever had peace on the left, and it lasted about twelve hours. 
I, I remember looking at my friend and said with a smile, I said, wouldn't it be great if he died? And we just laughed. And, I, you know, I'm not even that kind of guy, but we just threw our head back. And you laughed. know, I'm not normally either, but as someone who like basically acted like the, the pandemic wasn't real and that vaccines weren't real and the science wasn't real, like, you know, he uh, I, I will never believe, I will never wish for anyone's death. But I'll suffice to say, again, he would not top my list of sympathetic no, I, I'm completely the opposite. I will wish for his death. That is fine. He has so much blood on his hands. Hell yeah. No, indeed, 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 indeed. It'll it's, be it's like a... Mardi Gras, Pride, uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, all the things. Every Wrapping every one. holiday into one, we need to make a new holiday and it just like dance. It, it's yeah, I do feel the meme of the dancing casket bearers. Yes, that was the that was the that was the best use of that meme I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And of course, it did, did not come to bear because he has that uh, that future Illuminati medicine that rich people don't die from, especially rich white people don't die from COVID. Oh uh, God, the Regeneron! Thank you to. Um, by the way, I love how everyone is taking Regeneron. This is the last thing I'll say. Do you know it's it is like thanks to stem cell research and a f- like fetal tissue like all these right wingers who refuse to get vaccinated are like really excited about getting fetal tissue injected into them like or like fed through their nose or whatever it's like that is so funny to me you pro-life pieces of shit um all right you guys that has been the bituation room i'm gonna continue with the fart song but first i gotta say a brief goodbye to adam and steve once again not adam and eve adam where can people find your work Oh, uh, I'm mostly, I write at the column, uh, on Substack, which is the column.substack.com. And I also have the podcast, uh, citations needed, uh, with Nima Shirazi. Hell yeah. Everybody listen to that. And Adam, we may see you on the other side in the bonus episode, but if not take very good care, uh, send my love to Sarah and the baby and Steve, where can people find you other than tomorrow night? You find me at Big Hearn on Twitter, Hernia on Instagram, and please check out my podcast, Read the Bible with Me with Steve Hernandez. Uh, we It's comedy. It's a lot of funny, but then we do get into the Bible. So if that's your sort of thing, uh, come check it out. I don't believe in Christ. It's fine. I want to be on. I really want to read some parts of the Bible <laughs> with you, if you'll have me. Um, all right, Steve, I'll see you on the flip side in the bonus episode. I'm very curious about your thoughts on Q. Take care until then. And thank you all for being here. And uh, I just a comment I want to address about merchandise. Alicia on YouTube asks, are hoodies coming up anytime soon? Um, no, but but I but like noted, um, I would love hoodies. I want them to be the right ones. And again, it's all union made. There's like a lot of love and um, quality in each one. So, you know, kind of expensive. And with the supply chain situation, I'm actually kind of happy that I was like American made, union made merch, but I love hoodies, but I need them. I want them to be soft, zip up. I would love like a little um, patch or like embroidery, right? Um, I also saw some cries for mugs. I notoriously hate mugs, but I do realize they're cute as hell. So Mugs, I think, will be first and then hoodies. Again, bituationroom.com is where you can get all of your merch. Hashtag Frantifa swag, guys. I want to see those photos. And with that, thank you so much for be for being a new patron at 10 bucks or more. And all the other supporters, this is the fart song. Crap. I might have to end this early. 
Thank you so much to the new patrons at uh, $10 or more. Kristen I, you're wonderful. Uh, Big Tippers, Joseph L, thank you so much always, every week. You're so sweet. I really want to give you a piece of merchandise. Hit me up. Um, To all the new Twitch subs, Just Czar, Willie Gus, Buck Swin, Depressed Progressive, Little Mac McGee, and thank you for the super chats, Dragon Slayer Slayer Dragon, Jim Prince, Geek Toy Box, that's a great name, and everyone else, again, become a patron, get the shout out, get the merch discount, and um, I love y'all, let's dance it out together. Whew. I am an adult. And once again, we stream every Sunday, 5, 8 Eastern. We will be here this Sunday, November 7th. That's right. That's like two shows in a week. And thank you to producer Becca Roofer, to Ellie Hoffman, to Alexandra Ornes, and to Maximilian Inhoff. Um, you're wonderful. And remember, y'all, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Later. <laughs>